Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. (laughs) Bonjour. So grateful to join with you today. I'm still up in Maine, which is lovely. It's so, so nice here to be on Deer Isle, and it's a beautiful end of summer day that's unfolding, and I am grateful to share. Our topic today is, uh, it's a great one, and uh, I took some requests that people had, and I I merged them into the topic, which is when your family isn't spiritual when your family isn't spiritual and I'm just going to mention before I go into the prayer about if you would like to submit a topic go to livingacourseofmiracles.com forward slash radio and uh, first of all you can search the archive there and the transcripts that's where you get them if you'd like to download them So we're at 359 shows as of today, so there's a lot of searching that you can do in there. Search for the keywords that are of interest to you. And um, But there is a form on the page there in the side where you can fill out and request a topic. You also can always email admin, A-D-M-I-N, at jenniferhadley.com with your suggestions for a show topic. I'm loving taking your suggestions, so please offer one if you found that I haven't already done a show on it. All right, and if you can't find the show, I've already done it. We can help you find it. Yay! We're here to help. (laughs) So our topic today, when your family isn't spiritual, let's begin with a prayer so grateful so thankful to open our hearts and our minds to the power and the presence of love so grateful and so thankful to open ourselves to unprecedented wisdom pure joy harmony wisdom clarity the all good of god shining in our awareness so grateful that we can Partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self in a deep and abiding gratitude and welcome our wholeness and our holiness. We're truly grateful and truly thankful that our healing is shared with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful to let it be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Hmm, indeed. So grateful. So, first I'm going to share that uh, my family is not what I think of as spiritual. My parents, well, the whole time I was growing up, they never went to church, uh, except when we visited my grandparents. And all my grandparents but one were Protestant, and um, one was Catholic, and they were all extremely devout churchgoers. They liked going to church. They were involved in their churches. So four grandparents, three churches, and they volunteered. They gave service. They tithed. They did all of that. In fact, my grandfather's the one who taught me the importance and value of tithing and he did it so simply he said the money you give the church costs you nothing the money you give the church costs you nothing Uh, and uh, my grandfather was very poor growing up he made his own way in the world and uh, he was uh, he had a sixth grade education and at a very young age he was out working to earn a living and send money back home to his mothers and sisters, his mother and sisters, and um, was uh, ultimately very successful 
and he was a salesman. He started off door-to-door sales working for uh, the Hoover Company, selling vacuum cleaners. How cool is that? And ultimately, he uh, went into business with his brother-in-law, and they had the Keynes Potato Chip Factory, which that Keynes chip snack business was pretty big in the Midwest when I was a kid. And I got to eat fresh cooked potato chips, which were unbelievably delicious. <laughs> and so anyway, I digress. Uh, so my family wasn't spiritual, uh, but they were religious. And my grandparents, they read the Bible every day. And over the course of my father's parents' marriage, they went through and read the entire Bible, the King James, a few times. Amazing. And they would just read a couple of chapters a day, something like that. And uh, I really observed my grandparents and how much their God meant to them. And it was for them very, very tied to being an active member of the community. And so they would, through the church, they would learn of people who were in the hospital and they would send flowers. Uh, They would take food to people who couldn't get out to get food. So they would get these weekly announcements at church and then my grandfather would take action, purchasing things, delivering them, dropping them off, checking in on people, making sure people had what they needed. Um, that was just what you did for your community. And that, so that, to me, my, my parents did some of that, although they weren't involved in church. They were very um, civic-minded, socially politically involved, and uh, they were activists as young people in the 60s. They were in their 20s in the 60s, and I was a little baby. And so I, I watched and observed all of these things, but they were never spiritual, and my parents uh, were not religious at all. And then late in their life, when they moved to where I am now, Deer Isle, Maine, they started to attend church uh, because it was a more social activity and um, less religious in this community, the church that they went to, which was the church that I had gotten involved in here. So it's interesting how those things go. And my sister-in-law is Catholic and she, when she started having children, she went, started going back to church, taking them to church and got very involved in her church and um, appears to be a devout Catholic. I, I don't, we don't talk about it a whole lot. Um, but what I can say, because I know the topic really came up because people feel disrespected in their family, and I have felt that that uh, my interest in my spirituality, people were not, my family, interested in it, did not wish to share my interest or talk about it. And uh, whereas if I were interested in hunting or gardening and things like that, they would definitely have more interest in the conversation. If I were interested in pottery or sculpting from clay or something, they would be more interested than they are in what I'm doing. Uh, Very rare for people in my family to ask me about my work, how it's going, things like that. Um, There's just, they do not wish to start a conversation about it. So it would be different if I were in the shoe business. And I understand that because they could ask me all kinds of questions about shoemaking if I were in the shoe business. 
and let's say I was making boots, they could ask me about boots and we could talk about boots and there would not be any threat that they could buy whatever boots they wanted and they wouldn't feel bad about their boots, probably. If I made cigars and they didn't smoke cigars, I don't think they'd feel badly that they didn't smoke cigars. It's just a lifestyle choice. But I think that with spirituality, it's a different thing. That people do feel guilty, they do feel angry, they have resentments from this life and other lives where people um, forced religion. They've seen people do heinous, heinous things in the name of religion. Uh, right now, there's all this controversy still about the cover-up of the priests molesting children. And uh, there's still no talk uh, that I know of, of women having power in the Catholic Church or being in leadership, real true leadership. So it's... it's uh, for many people, it's a very challenging topic to bring up. So here's what I've learned. When I was in my late 20s, my early 30s particularly, I was so enthusiastic about what I was learning about spirituality. It felt like light at the end of a very dark tunnel. I was coming out of feeling suicidal. And so my spirituality was saving my life, was making it possible for me to continue. But my family didn't know that because I didn't talk to them about my suicidal feelings. And I am clear that I am, sorry, I got distracted by noise. Uh, <laughs> um, but when I was first coming to spirituality, I was very enthusiastic and excited about it. And I think I did what many spiritual students do when they're new to spirituality and in that first love feeling about it that, oh my God, this is the answer. Oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. Oh my God, I found God. <laughs> Although I didn't like the God word back then. Uh, it was too, I couldn't stand it because it was too associated with religion for me back then. And so what happened was I became uh, a zealot in a lot of ways. And I thought, well, everybody wants to know about this. It was very naive. And uh, no, it turns out everyone does not want to know about it. In fact, many people intentionally do not wish to know about it. So I didn't realize it at the time, but I was unintentionally being disrespectful and pushy about it. And so I think I suffered a backlash because of that. And now people aren't interested at all. And my father still goes to church all the time. And he talks about church constantly. But he doesn't talk about the teachings of the church. And he doesn't talk about the message in the sermon. He doesn't talk about God. He talks about the book group and the discussion group and the potluck and the thing all the social aspects of it. But that's my dad. Uh, that's why he goes to church, because it's a social center of people who might share the same values and interests. And also it tends to be, because of the church he picks, it tends to be more intellectual, as my dad is on that intellectual side. He's not, uh, he's not doing the backyard barbecues people talking about football so much. He's more talking about books. So, the the two big things that I see that happen for many people 
are they do become zealots and they offend people. And they want to engage everyone around them and they're not reading the signs that people are not interested. Now, another thing that happens is that family members get really threatened, really threatened. Mine didn't so much, but I see it happen all the time with folks who are in my classes, and I've seen it happen with my friends, that they go full on goo-goo for God, and their loved one, or even a little bit, and their loved ones feel very threatened. Now, whenever somebody feels very threatened by something, when there's a lot of fear, sometimes they show up as angry. Sometimes they show up as sarcastic and derisive. Uh, these are very common, that people get dismissive. Uh, if they don't understand something, if they don't like something, they don't appreciate it, and they feel threatened that somebody else does like it, does appreciate it, is interested in it, there can be a very deep fear, oh no, this is going to affect our relationship. And many people will feel that spiritual people are superior or think they're superior. And so um, folks who uh, are more interested in drinking and fooling around sexually and doing all of that stuff, they can feel really threatened by someone who becomes very spiritual in their life that they're close to, that there's going to be a lot of judgment against them, that they're bad and they're wrong because let's face it um, religion particularly Christianity has coasted for many many hundreds of years thousands of years on deciding who's good and who's bad who's right and who's wrong and so uh, that's a primary thing is who are the sinners who are the sinners? Labeling the sinners, identifying the sins. That's a big part of a lot of religions. Uh, and we see that a lot in Christianity. So people have a fear, even if someone is going into spirituality, that, oh no, now they're going to turn around and say, I'm a sinner. Or, they already feel secretly like a sinner, and now uh, they're going to be with someone who doesn't want to sin alongside them. And oh boy, that's going to change their relationship, that's going to change their lifestyle. So instead of talking about their fears and concerns, talking about their thoughts and beliefs, what people will frequently do is they will just start making fun of something, being sarcastic and teasing, or being derisive, really being derogatory, and uh, attacking. So if we can know that it rises from fear, we can make a different choice. So I have uh, a couple of friends who are married, women friends who are married to men who are not particularly interested in spirituality. They have a respect for it, just like they have a respect for soccer, let's say. They can talk a little bit about soccer, but it's not really an interest. They don't need to make fun of soccer. They're not afraid of soccer. Um, so with their wives, who are passionately interested in spirituality, uh, so I have one who's super passionate and one who is moderately passionate, and both of their husbands are extremely, they're 100% supportive. You want to go to that, that thing to do the chanting? Would you like me to come along? Is it okay if I don't go? What's the deal? Would you like me to get the tickets? I can order them online for you. Uh, uh, 
I saw this movie about this documentary about this aspect of spirituality. You might be interested in it. I know you like those things. Um, oh, you want to go to that conference and bring all your crystals or whatever. Would you like me to back up the car, drive you there, wait for you, and then pack it all up and bring it back home? I can do that. I'd love to do that. Just let's figure out what time you'd like to leave, how long it's going to take to pack the car. I mean, that's what loving, supportive family members who aren't threatened will naturally do. How can I be helpful to you in you making your goals of things that are important to you? And I've said before, and my these same friends of mine, their husbands are interested in different things, and they're very supportive of them. Oh, you want to drive up the coast for five hours to pick up a antique surfboard? Well, let's see. Let's go. I'll pack a lunch, and we'll go. We can stop at that place that you like so much and have dinner. We can stay at that hotel that's so romantic. But, you know, it's that's teamwork. Teamwork work. And so what what happens is when there's a great sense of separation and fear and threat, there's a major healing that can happen. And we were just talking about something very different, but somewhat similar. I guess that doesn't even make sense. We'll just say somewhat similar. In Masterful Living recently, it seems like a giant separation, and the separation is so painful. The belief in separation is so painful, but it can be transformed. It really can. It does require some real attention and effort. So it requires us to be vigilant for God. And as I was preparing to talk about this, I was super clear. It came through like a, a shot. Uh, what my favorite lesson in the workbook, which is love holds no grievances. Love holds no grievances. And it's... Peter's um, getting super hot. It's in the sun. Um, it's lesson 68. And, uh, oh, I'm looking in the wrong part of the book here. Golly gee. <clears throat> Technology. Oh, I see what I'm doing. Oops, sorry. So, oh my goodness. Here we go. Lesson 68. Love holds no grievances. And it says in here uh, that oh, we forget who we are when we hold grievances. And we can't remember until we forgive. It is as sure that those who hold grievances will forget who they are, as it is certain that those who forgive will remember. Would you not be willing to relinquish your grievances if you believed all this were so? So for me, when I first read that, I thought, oh, that's the key. That is the key, relinquishing all the grievances. And I had already been working on that for a number of years, specifically focused on grievances, which for me, I call them judgments, opinions. And if you've been listening to this show at all, you know that by heart. <laughs> and so here's what we do when we'd like to be that fulcrum point of healing, that transformational point in our family. We cultivate our willingness to do what needs to be done. And the first thing that needs to be done is we must stop attacking the attacker or judging the judger. 
So, for instance, if we're disappointed that our family members, our loved ones, our friends aren't interested, we must forgive ourselves. I know. We must forgive ourselves for thinking that they should be interested. We must forgive ourselves for needing them to be interested. And we must forgive ourselves for anything we've said or done that could make them feel guilty or bad or wrong for not being interested. This is one of the most common things that people make others feel guilty because they don't agree. Oh, it's such a temptation. So this is where we're beginning, this level of taking responsibility. It's time for me to go to a break here. And one of the things I'd like to invite you to do on the break is to go check out that radio page uh, at com. And if you do have a topic, let me know what it is. Or you can send an email to admin at jenniferhadley.com. So, you're listening to A Course in Miracles, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And welcome back. We're talking about when our family isn't spiritual. And so one of the the tools, the, the number one tool is we must forgive ourselves first. And I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh, okay, but then they don't do it. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest that if you'd like help with that, I have a whole bunch of tools and they're totally free at jenniferhadley.com. You can get my free forgiveness workshop, how to get over it. And one of the tools is the forgiveness letter. And that forgiveness letter is so helpful. You can just write through and then do all the steps of it and forgive yourself. And people tell me all the time, especially people who've been struggling with issues for some time and um, think that it's all about the other person. It's not about themselves. It's, It's amazing how very frequently I will say it's all about self forgiveness. And then someone who they just don't even hear me say, write a self forgiveness letter. They're like, okay, so I wrote that letter to my wife. I'm like, no, I said, write it to yourself. Myself? I said, yes, I said to write it to yourself. Oh, you sure? Yes, I am sure. So we must write the, the letters or have some other really effective forgiveness process to forgive ourselves for being judgmental, forgive ourselves for being attacking, forgive ourselves for having the pattern in our mind and the belief in separation that is showing up as feeling separate from our loved ones. So what I see is that uh, this makes a huge difference for people because they don't even realize the ways in which they're making others feel guilty or ashamed or bad or wrong for not agreeing. And they think, oh, no, it's just that my my wife doesn't respect me or my husband doesn't uh, value what I'm doing and is so threatened that they have to attack all the time. But most times I find that people are not even aware of their own disrespect towards their loved one. So while it would be nice for us to have our whole family and our friends and our loved ones and our co-workers all on board with the same, it's... It's really an inside job, just like A Course in Miracles is a self-study course. It seems like it would be nice if everybody was doing the same thing and interested in the same thing. But I have to say, I have a lot of people in my life who are very much interested in the same spirituality as me. And I'm always happy for somebody who has a different thing. Their spirituality is 
their relationship with the land and forestry or gardening or fishing or or whatever it might be that is their connection to the earth to spirit to life could be cooking so having relationship with people who bring diversity is really rewarding and so we can learn a deep respect for their diversity if to have give all to all so when we're loving and respectful and kind and not guilting and shaming towards others what happens is we naturally learn to love and respect them and they can feel the difference words don't matter it's the feeling at least it is for me words are okay but really it's the feeling of respect that's so valuable to me and what i've seen is that when we do that inner self-forgiveness work then it's so much easier to stop judging others committing to not judging others and really meaning it following through on it and looking for ways to appreciate even the differences is super healing and helpful and i'm a big proponent of the forgiveness practice known as ho opono pono ho Oponopono, it'll be in the transcript. And uh, I actually share about Ho'oponopono and the value of it in my year-long Masterful Living class. And I think a little bit in my Finding Freedom from Fear class. So by the way, Finding Freedom from Fear starts this week. Get in on it. It's such a great time. Oh my God, the energy for shifts and change right now is so huge. I have been talking with so many people lately who are feeling pained and pushed by relationships, by situations and circumstances. And those who are really doing the inner work are reaping the rewards. So exactly what I'm talking about, the self-forgiveness work. I know for myself, it's been so valuable to move into that place where I am really, really deeply committed to no more separation, just no more separation thinking, because such a strong pattern in my mind to notice the differences and to feel, um, I used to feel so hurt when people didn't agree with me or people had different opinions than me. I used to feel like I needed to make them so, so wrong. And I just don't wish to engage in any of that anymore. I'm totally zero interest in that. And yet it comes up for healing on a regular basis still not like it used to i mean it just was constant and i was thinking about this this morning that the discomfort i feel now that's like a 10 it w- it was <laughs> probably less than a 1 from my old perspective so i know that this healing works now here's another thing for us to look at Do we need people to agree with us? And if so, what's that about? The needing, the wanting, the craving. I certainly can understand you're married to someone, you have children, you would like to bring them to Sunday service with you. You would like to be able to listen to a CD in the car with them. You would like to be able to do these things. But... If you have a lot of needing, wanting, craving, a lot of emotion and pain around it, you have a lot of opinions and judgments, you have a lot of attachments. I know that was how it used to be for me. Uh, I can remember um, trying to engage my mom in listening to certain things. She had a certain interest and a certain tolerance, but it was um, much less 
than me. I think she was more Ed, Edgar Casey interested than uh, spirituality in the way of um, practicing it, like in A Course in Miracles. She was more interested in phenomena and things like that, but that's okay. It was my mom who gave me Shirley MacLaine's book, Out on a Limb, that kind of started everything off for me. So I'm very, very grateful f- for that. What I know is that when we do what it says in A Course in Miracles, Chapter 17, Section 5, The Healed Relationship, Right there, it tells us that this distress in our relationship is evidence of a special relationship. And it's the impetus that we need to call the Holy Spirit in and to make the relationship holy. So for me, I don't believe in managing and coping anymore. I go for the miraculous healing because I know that it works and that spirit does not fail. It just can't, it won't, it don't. (laughs) And so this is the next important and valuable step for us in healing our relationship issues when there's a lot of turmoil around our spirituality. We give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. Holy Spirit, I'm willing to have a healing. I'm willing for there to be peace in my heart, peace in my mind, peace in my family, peace in my conversation, peace in my workplace. Because all of these tools would work the same for workplace. I remember one time back when I was uh, doing some consulting, I went into uh, a business and um, I was a minister or training to be a minister at that time. And someone said, oh, what, what, um, what, what, what is it you believe about God? And I said, well, I believe that God is all there is, that God is the all in all, and that we're all one with God. So I don't believe that God is an old man in the sky with opinions who has preferences. What about you? And he said, I believe in the old man in the sky who has preferences and opinions. And I said, okay, cool. Good to know. I didn't need to talk about it with him or change his mind. We both smiled, we laughed, all was well. And so, uh, of course, we we were just meeting for an afternoon, but still, I've been in situations where the same thing could happen and someone would become a zealot. And uh, and then it's like a, a battle cry that there's someone who believes something different. And I understand the mentality. I'm just trying to save you from going to hell. Because when I was um, 10 years old, that's what my best friend kind of said to me. Uh, I have all these Catholic girlfriends. And one day they said, it's too bad you're going to hell because you're not baptized. And I, I don't think I'd ever heard about the possibility of going to hell because I wasn't baptized. But I, I felt it, and I thought, that just sounds crazy. Because I knew what baptism was. I had seen it at my grandparents' church, the dunking in the water. And uh, I was like, I just don't think that has anything to do with going to hell or not going to hell. So I didn't let it bother me. But I could have. I could have, I was way more interested in being friends with my friends. And so that's the thing is, what's our priority? And do we need everybody to agree with us? What does that come from? It comes from ego insecurity. Love holds no grievances. I'm much more interested in learning who I am and how to love fully than letting anything get in the way anymore. Stuff still gets in the way all the time, little things here and there. 
But that's my opportunity to have a clearing and a healing. And I think that's one of the most important things that I can share with you is to take every single upset, no matter how small or how big, and become dedicated to seeing it as the opportunity to have a healing rather than to be upset. Oh, this is my healing opportunity. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for my healing opportunities today. I'm choosing my healing. Holy Spirit, make it so. And I I learned to do that. And if I was still feeling agitated a minute later or whatever later, I'd go back, oh, I think there's something for me to look at. There's a strong attachment here, and I can let that go and be more free. All right, let me let that go. When people are saying things, and it could be us, when people are saying things that are designed to make people feel guilty, a lot of the time they don't even know it. They don't even know it because of how they were raised, because their mind doesn't wish to see it or know it. They think that making other people feel guilty is good. It's so common. I notice this in my mind still. It's still there, still coming out here and there. Oh, that was designed to make them feel guilty. Mm, must forgive myself for that. And so, all right, no judgment, no foul. Should, shall I apologize? A lot of the time I feel, yes, apologize. And that keeps my relationships clean. And a lot of times people will say things that are designed to make me feel guilty. You make me feel this. You make me feel that. Well, do we have the power to make other people feel things? Do we really? Can I inspire my family, my loved ones to become interested in God? Can I actively try to do that by giving them information? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. However, when people see that you're happy, that you feel free, that you're enjoying your life, that you're prospering, they often would like to know, hey, what can I learn from you? What are you doing that I can learn from you? It's really cool. So people are always watching what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're choosing, what you're not choosing. So if we're trying to share our spirituality with people and we don't seem happy, then why would they be interested? Why? No doesn't make any sense <laughs> so let spirit tap people spirits talking to everyone all the time because we're part of spirit we're one with spirit so i have learned i don't need to prove anything to anyone i don't need to explain anything to anyone who's not asking me i can share my excitement and my enthusiasm, but I've learned to be very cautious if what I'm trying to do is convince someone. Then I don't have anything to say or share. It's better to just keep my mouth shut. Do I do that 100% of the time? No, I still fall down and get up, but I don't blame and attack myself, and I don't want to fight with anyone anymore about any of these things. And fortunately, if someone does want to pick a fight with me about it, I, can, I have the power to say, you know, I feel like you're trying to convince me of these things. And, you know, there might come a time when I'd be interested in that conversation. But it's not, I'm not feeling it right now. So let's... Let's not waste anybody's time. You trying to convince me, me trying to get out of it. I, let's just decide that now's not the time. 
we'll see maybe in the future there will be a great time and you can tell me all about it and try to convince me. How does that sound? I mean, <laughs> I, I've just said to people sometimes, I, I don't really feel like talking about that right now. And people have challenged me and said, you're a minister. You should be wanting to talk about it all the time. I said, And I've said, no, no. We're having lunch. We're going for a walk. We're doing something else right now. Let's, we can talk about something else. We can talk about what we like about this restaurant. We can talk about the path uh, through nature and what plants inspire us. We don't have to have a conversation about religion or God or spirituality all the time. No, we don't. We can talk about cooking. We can talk about nothing. We don't have to talk. I'm happy to talk with you, but I don't wish to argue. And one of the things is that many people do not feel comfortable saying what they'd like and what they don't like. And part of why they don't feel comfortable saying what they'd like and they don't like is they don't feel that they can do it without making somebody else bad or wrong. And they also don't feel empowered. Why don't they feel empowered? Empowerment comes from being loving. Love holds no grievances. So truly, our power comes from being generous of spirit, being kind, being gentle, being loving, being harmonious. That's just how it works. Uh, and I'm going to see here, chapter four of the Manual for Teachers is the um, the, the uh, what you call it, the characteristics of God's teachers. And the last one, number 10, is open-mindedness. And it says here, the centrality of open-mindedness, perhaps the last of the attributes a teacher of God acquires, is easily understood when in its relation to forgiveness is recognized. Open-mindedness comes with lack of judgment. As judgment shuts the mind against God's teacher, against the Holy Spirit, so open-mindedness invites the Holy Spirit to come in. As condemnation judges the Son of God, our brothers and sisters, as evil, so open-mindedness permits him to be judged by the voice for God on his behalf. As the projection of guilt upon him would send him to hell, so open-mindedness lets Christ's, Christ's image be extended to him. Only the open-minded can be at peace, for they alone see reason for it. How do the open-minded forgive? They have let go all things that would prevent forgiveness. They have, in truth, abandoned the world and let it be restored to them in newness and in joy so glorious they could never have conceived of such a change. So that's the thing. Open-mindedness, that characteristic of God, is having no judgment. And it's having no judgment that frees us to love. It frees us to hear our intuition, to be respectful and to be kind with those with whom we don't agree. Just because I, mean, I have friends that I don't agree with politically at all. They feel very strongly and I feel very strongly. But I don't need to judge. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and I also did the suffering. Don't wish to do that anymore. So I can have my strong political point of view and perspective without the pain of being judgmental. 
these are my preferences. I'm, I, I prefer to, well, don't need to talk about my political preferences. And so I can totally have a political conversation with somebody who completely disagrees with me and remain at peace. Remain at peace. I think it's so valuable to be able to reach that state. And the only way is to disregard your own judgments and opinions, to see that they have no value. When we shift internally, the world shifts. Seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. So yes, family and friends may not agree with us spiritually, and they may be very, very threatened by it. So we must respect that and love and appreciate them, not argue with them, and not put it in their face, not bring it up to them, but to gently let them see, ah, you're happier. I know one of the most wonderful things uh, that happens sometimes with um, people in Masterful Living towards the end of the year, their spouses will say, well, gosh, that was sure a great investment of money, you taking that class. Wow, we've gotten so much benefit from you taking that class. But if we're trying to make others wrong and we're judging them and complaining about them all the time, even if we don't say it out loud, how? why would they be supportive? We're not being supportive. So to have support and love and kindness and generosity, give those very same things to all, to have, give all to all. If you have these kinds of issues, actually finding freedom from fear with the Course of Miracles principles may be your perfect step to deepen in your practice of A Course of Miracles, your understanding of how to really live A Course of Miracles. We've got a uh, new boot camp starting uh, this week on Thursday. I believe it's September 7th. And I don't know what date it is today. Let's see, it's the 4th. So I guess it's the 6th, not the 7th. So uh, I look forward to beginning that boot camp as I always do. It's got just so much finding freedom from fear, my spiritual boot camp class. Well, it's time for us to pray. I am so grateful to everyone who supports this broadcast. Thank you for joining me. In gratitude, I place my hand on my heart, and I gratefully say we are choosing to love and share the love with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, let it be. Yes, amen, amen, amen. 